Thank you for joining us again today for the study on the sayings of Jesus. And last week we began a study of the Olivet Discourse, which is Mark chapter 13. Jesus taught about some future events to his disciples. One event, the destruction of Jerusalem that would happen in their lifetime. And then um, an event that would happen perhaps in our lifetime, perhaps not, perhaps future to our lifetime, the return of Christ. And so um, when you think about Mark 13, primarily the first 23 verses deal with the destruction of Jerusalem. And the last um, uh, 13 or so verses deal with the return of Christ. And that'll help um, maybe give you a perspective. There are some occasional allusions in each section to the other, and uh, that is obvious when we get to those sections. There's also four major themes in this chapter that I think it's good just to keep in your mind. And then as you're reading through and you see those themes being talked about by Jesus, you can say, oh yeah, there's the deception theme. Oh yeah, there's the destruction theme and so forth. Uh, deception is one of the themes. Destruction is one of the themes. Persecution is one. And if I could just talk about those three for a minute. Jesus gave warning to his disciples because he loved them. He gave them um, practical ways that they could avoid um, the destruction that was coming on Jerusalem. Um, he did not give them ways to avoid persecution. He told them how to stand strong in the midst of persecution. But he gave them ways to avoid deception and destruction. And in my heart, I just feel, um, feel like, I feel the Lord's love through that. When it says that he's the good shepherd, uh, this is one way that he demonstrated um, the fact that he is our good shepherd. He cared for the flock. He cared enough to give them warning and, and give them practical ways to avoid the destruction of Jerusalem that would come in their lifetime. And then the second coming, of course, is a theme that we'll be dealing with uh, greatly today in our study. So let's go uh, to ch uh, chapter 13, verse 20 of Mark, and uh, we'll begin our, our study there. Jesus said, if the Lord had not cut short those days, meaning those days of, of destruction that were happening on, on Jerusalem that would happen in, in roughly A.D. 70, no one would survive. But for the sake of the elect whom he has chosen, he shortened them. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Messiah, or look, there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. So be on your guard. I've told you everything ahead of time. Uh, go back to verse 22 for just a minute. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Jesus had warned them ahead of time that they would be uh, deceived, that they, there would be an attempt to deceive them. Let me just give you one example of what happened during the siege and destruction of Jerusalem. 
Um, the Romans actually hired Jewish prophets to go in amongst the people and encourage them to go to the temple area. That um, if they came to the temple, they would be given instructions on how uh, the Messiah would be coming and, and would set them free. And so they were paid, these prophets. They were bribed by the Romans. And they were deceiving their people to go into the temple. And this is exactly what the Romans wanted. They had as many people as possible corralled in, in a tight space, and they were able to wholesale slaughter them. And uh, Jesus warned against that, as you might remember. He said, when you see the desolation, that, uh, the abomination that causes desolation standing in the temple, flee, leave Jerusalem, leave Judea. And some did, and they crossed the Jordan River to a town called Pella. And, they, and they, they were safe there. They were away from the destruction that was happening in Jerusalem. We need to remember that what Jesus says is not only true, but it's for our good. And in this case, if, if the Jews had only listened to what Jesus had said, they would have been spared the destruction. So let's go on now to the second section, major section of this chapter, which deals primarily with the return of Christ. And we're going to read uh, section by section and then, then make some comments. So starting in verse 24. But in those days, following that distress, and I think he's referring to the distress that happened um, at at the destruction of Jerusalem, following that time, he's saying, the sun will be darkened, the moon will not give its light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. And these are quotes from the Old Testament. There are a number of places in the Old Testament where um, these kinds of things are spoken. Um, Isaiah 13, Isaiah 34, Joel 2 and 3, Ezekiel 32, to name just a few. And you can pick up these themes there and see that they're talked about. Now, Jesus did not say that those things would come on the heels of the destruction of Jerusalem. He just said that after that destruction, that these things would come. And uh, they obviously refer to the end. These are... Um, uh, these are monumental things that are happening. We're not just talking about earthquakes and, and things of that nature. We're talking about the very structure of our world and universe. When the sun ceases to shine and the moon ceases to shine and stars are falling from the sky, things are being changed radically. We're talking about the end. Let's go to verse 26. At that time, people will see the Son of Man coming in clouds with great power and glory. What a, what a uh, comforting passage of, of Scripture. And again, this is a Scripture that uh, has uh, reference in the Old Testament and New Testament. But let's go on and read verse 27. And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds 
from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. This is what we've been waiting for. This is the return of Christ and the uh, changing of the world, the new heavens and the new earth that are about to be created. And Jesus taking his, um, his saved ones out of the earth and uh, the dead in Christ rising and so forth. I'd like you to look at several passages that refer to this in one would be Daniel chapter 7, verse 13. In my vision at night, Daniel says, I looked and there before me was one like a son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. A reference to Jesus coming in the clouds. Let's look at 1 Thessalonians 4.17. After that, we who are still alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. And then Revelation 1.7. Look, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. Those that mourn will be those who are not ready for his return. But those who are looking for his coming, um, they will rejoice. Okay, so let's, let's go on to verse 28. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Okay, and let's go back now to verse 28. These, uh, these verses are perhaps um, among the most difficult in the New Testament, and even in this chapter may be the most difficult. But um, I think that there is um, a good way to look at these passages, and uh, let, let's just dive in and we'll talk about how to do that. Jesus says, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. And so he's saying that um, from a tree, you can know, um, you can know the, the time of year because you see, um, you know, I was just, uh, yesterday, I was uh, at a place where I was voting and uh, I looked at a, a tree that was just gorgeous and it had these red buds it wasn't a red bud tree but it was some kind of a flowering tree and had beautiful red buds that were about to burst into a flower stage and as I looked at that I, I thought boy that's a, a real sign of spring and um, you know in Jesus case when he talked about the fig tree and talked about the twigs becoming tender and leaves coming out he says, you know that summer is near. And uh, then he makes this statement in verse 29. Even so, when you see these things happening, 
you know that it is near, right at the door. Now, the question is, what is it referred to? And uh, I think many of us have been taught to, to believe that it refers to the coming of Christ and that um, the signs are these things like earthquakes and um, wars and rumors of wars and that sort of thing that have been happening for actually thousands of years. Another way of thinking of it is this, and it goes into the next verse. We need to read that to, to get um, full appreciation of this outlook. Truly, I tell you, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened. The uh, difficulty that um, Bible scholars have had in, in explaining this verse, if you think of the previous verse, verses, referring to the coming of Christ, is that what does this generation refer to then? It certainly couldn't be the people that he was talking to at that time because uh, that was 2,000 and some years ago and Christ has still not come back. I remember um, back in the 70s, there was, there was uh, a teaching that uh, this generation had to do with um, the generation that saw Israel return to its native land, that that generation would not pass away until all these things have happened. Well, that's beginning to wane uh, because that generation would have to be a pretty long generation. And the other thing is this. Jesus has made it clear that um, no man knows the day or the hour of his coming. And it's never been his intent that we would know that. He, Jesus says, I don't even know that. I don't know when the return of Christ will be. Only the Father knows that. And so uh, Jesus is not in the business of trying to give us uh, uh, dates or give us an idea of when. He's about um, giving us the ability to stand in our circumstances. And so I think a, a very good way of explaining this section of Scripture is to say that this refers to what is happening um, in the destruction of Jerusalem. So when Jesus says, this generation will not pass away until all these things have happened, he's referring specifically, when he says all these things, he's referring to the events leading up to and surrounding the destruction of Jerusalem. When you take these verses with that um, interpretation, it all makes sense because in their lifetime, they witnessed the destruction of Jerusalem, the people that he was speaking to. That happened just a few years after he was speaking to them at this time. And, and so, um, yes, um, that, that makes sense. And so dropped into this section of scripture that has to do with uh, the second coming, I believe he's given them this little section that um, if they take to heart the instruction that he's given them in the first 23 verses, they will have a way of escaping the destruction that would come on Jerusalem. Let's go to verse 32 now. 
But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. Now, for most of us, let's go back to 32 for a minute. For most of us, uh, that day has no particular, those two words have no particular significance. Uh, we think about what day? Is he talking about the destruction of Jerusalem or the return of Christ? Um, that day in Old Testament, um, in the Old Testament is um, a code word for the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord was um, a phrase that had to do with God's intervention into the affairs of men, either in judgment or in blessing, or both. And it was used frequently in the Old Testament, um, that day or day of the Lord. And um, so a Jew hearing Jesus speak about that day would automatically think, oh, he's talking about uh, the day of the Lord, the end of the age. He's talking about a significant day um, or time period that God is going to intervene in the affairs of men. And so I believe that in verse 32, Jesus made a switch from talking about um, the destruction of Jerusalem and now he's talking again about his return. And he's saying about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. Let's keep reading. Be on guard, be alert. You do not know when that time will come. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task, and tells the one at the door to keep watch. Okay, we will finish that parable in just a minute, but I'd like for us to go back and just focus in on um, verse 32 again. And I'd like you to read one other passage with me. Um, perhaps we could do this. Let's go back to verse 33. Jesus says in verse 33, you do not know when that time will come. He's emphasizing to them that they're not going to know the time. Verse 35, let's read verse 35 real quick. Therefore keep watch because you do not know when the owner of the house will come. Jesus is saying three times here in short order, you don't know the time of my return. I'd like you to go to Acts 1 seven and eight for a minute. Just to give you a little perspective on, on this passage, Jesus has risen from the dead. He spent 40 days with his disciples, teaching them, especially about himself from the Old Testament scriptures. And now um, he's about to ascend into heaven. And they've asked the question, Lord, when are you gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? They believed he was the Messiah, and they're still thinking military and governmental. And so um, he says to them, Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
And so go back to verse 7 for a minute, if you would. He said, it's not for you to know the times or dates that the Father has set by his own authority. They were concerned about the when, and he was concerned about the what and the how. He was concerned about them spreading the good news to the whole world. They were concerned about when is, when is this going to happen? When is Jesus going to come and, and uh, rule on earth? And I think a lot of us can relate to that. We'd love for Jesus to come back. And uh, perhaps he's saying to us today, it's not for you to know that. Don't spend your time trying to figure out when I'm going to come back. Um, spend your time, however, on being my witness in Jerusalem and Judea and all Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. That's what I'm calling you to do right now. Be my witness. And um, he was saying that to his disciples as well. So um, let's go back to uh, verse 32 one more time and, and we will read to the end and we'll finish at this point. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. So he's making it clear not to seek dates, not to seek When's he coming? I don't want to be too harsh with uh, brothers and sisters in Christ who have chosen to focus a good portion of their life on the events of the return of Christ. If those things can be used to help us live in a practical way on this earth and to share the gospel in a meaningful way with those around us, I, I guess they're valuable. But I think what often happens is that um, infatuation with when Jesus is coming back detracts us from the work that he's left us to do, which is to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to make disciples of all nations, to love one another, um, to minister to the poor and oppressed in our society. That's what he's told us to do, and that's what we know that we should do. But many of us um, get sidetracked and um, we're more concerned about trying to figure out when he's coming back. So let's go on. Verse 33. Be on guard. Be alert. And I think his, his warning to us is be on guard and be alert to getting sidetracked into trying to figure out when he's coming back. You don't know when that time will come. And then here's the part that we need to hear. It's like a man going away. He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, each with their assigned task. And he tells the one at the door to keep watch. Verse 35. Therefore, keep watch, because you don't know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight or when the rooster crows or at dawn. Hold, hold on for just a second with that last verse. I think we've been thrown in this, this conclusion to Mark 13 by um, Jesus' statement, therefore keep watch. We've tended to think that that meant, look at all the signs, focus on the signs. That's what Jesus wants us to do. Focus on the signs, keep watch. But really, 
When you study the parable, what Jesus is saying is do what I've told you to do. When I left this earth, what did I tell you to do? I told you to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to make disciples of all nations. I told you to love one another. Focus on those things. I told you to abide in the vine. Those are the things that Jesus would want us to do as his servants. The, the keep watch part applied to the, the person at the door. Uh, that was his particular job, and that's the example that he uses here. But he's not saying to us, I want you to get into a room and study prophecy, and just study prophecy and study prophecy. No. He's saying, get out. Share the good news with people that don't know him. Love one another. Abide in the vine. Do the things that I told you to do before I left. Let's go on to verse 36. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. The uh, command from Jesus is to do what he's called us to do. And uh, I think I've said it uh, enough times and I hope that, um, that we can see this chapter 13 in a new light and uh, I hope that this has been helpful. If some of the interpretations that have come in this teaching have not been, uh, do not fit with, with what um, others teach, uh, I'm sorry I've, I've attempted to do what I felt uh, the Lord was directing me to do and, and tried to be as um, wise and, and as uh, honest and as careful as possible in the interpretation. So thank you for being part of this study. And uh, we will pick up again next week with another one of the great sayings of Jesus. Thank you so much.